FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 225 of the podcast that goes snicked. Yeah. Yep. 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 And uh, we're your host, Jason and Denise Venable, and it's a b- 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 bonus episode on Logan. Yes, that's right. Let's tackle this head on, huh? I'm aware that it is shameful. Almost that, blasphemy. That the podcast that goes snicked took this long to see the movie. But we have kids. Yeah, including a baby. Yeah. And it's just really hard to get a night out. And even when you do get a night out, sometimes you don't get to choose what you get to do with that night out. No, because you have a sitter that goes, so I can call you if I need you to come back, right? Not not just that, but I mean, sometimes you have to get sitters. And we have sitters available, but sometimes, because we're stupid adults, we have like obligations. (laughs) So sometimes your night out is not, hey, let's go see a movie. It's... Hey, let's go to this family function, or and no, we both love our families to death. Yep. But you know, it just goes to say that sometimes you know, you get a sitter and you don't get to do what you want to do. You get to do what you should do, right? Yeah. That's just part of adulting, um, for better or for worse. The worst part is when your kid has a friend and their mom says, "We really want to get together with a play date. When would be good?" And you go, "Oh." Anytime. Let me look at my calendar. Oh. And you're like, oh. Well, um, um, so there's... How does 2020 sound? Yeah. <laughs> and then you feel like the crappiest person in the world because you were like, yeah, we should totally do that. And mm-hmm. we should do it soon. Let's see. And she meant it. I don't know if I always do, but she did. She totally means it. <laughs> I mean it. And so then I felt bad. She's not as antisocial as I am. <laughs> and we planned a play date a month and a half out. <laughs> Because that was as soon as we could. Right. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, no one cares about all that. We finally saw the movie, guys. Yay! And I got to say, we'll, we'll, we'll dig into it, but I think we both enjoyed it quite a bit. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. It was very good. Very tasty. Um, it was. So, I don't know. How do you, how do you want to start this off? Um, I think we should... I guess let's start off with, um... Are we giving... Hang on, let's back up. Are uh-huh. we giving any... Are we going to recap the movie? Are we going to give spoilers uh, away? We're just going to kind of talk about it. This is very um, unstructured. Okay. They're just kind of impressions of the movie, what we liked, what we didn't like, if anything. Um, Why don't we talk about each character individually and maybe some scenes that we liked with each one? Uh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Why don't, before that, though, why don't we talk about expectations? Okay. So, you know, that, that, I think that's a good, like, flow, a good order to kind of structure the conversation. Like, what, what did you kind of think you were going to see? What level of quality did you expect? Um, you know, what maybe did you know or not know about the plot kind of going in? Just kind of what... When we bought the tickets and we went in and we sat down and the trailer started to roll, kind of where where were you and what were you thinking we were going to see? Um, so quite honestly, I had almost zero expectation. Okay. The only expectation or even a hint of expectation was someone had reposted something on Twitter that had a picture of Hugh Jackman looking rather older than normal. Um, and I guess he had made a comment or alluded to the Wolverine character dying. Uh, So I had had my suspicions that Wolverine was going to quote die. But then I also remember my comic book lore and went, and that, yeah, that they're saying that, but it's not going to happen. Um, so I literally went in there knowing it was rated R. So knowing there was probably going to be a few more curse words. (laughs) Um, maybe a few more graphic scenes, um, 
and was pretty sure that what people were trying to point me in the direction of of Logan dying wasn't true. That it was kind of like the false lead. Right. I mean, let's stop right there. So okay. at the beginning of every at the beginning of every episode, we have our spoiler kind of warning. But just to make it very very clear, this episode will be full on spoilers. We assume that all of you saw this movie way before we did. <laughs> I would hope so. And so um, everything is on the table. So go ahead. Okay. So that, quite honestly, that was it. Okay. I wanted to see some great chemistry between um, Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart. I had zero expectations for the girl in it. Um, and that was about it. I okay. had no idea where it was going to take place. I didn't care. Um, I kind of figured it would be bubblegummy. And I say that because all the movies in the past. It's not really bubblegummy. What, what do you mean so, by that? Like bubblegummy. The X-Men cartoon? No. like So for the first X-Men movie, I consider that kind of bubblegummy. They had uniforms. They make the the standard like they all come out in their uniforms. They walk in a triangular shaped you know pattern so everyone can see them, but they're not in a line. Some comic booky. Yeah. Okay. Um, and even the a better example of this would be um, what's the third X Men movie? That's uh, X Men United, right? Yeah, that's the one where they, the cure comes out. Or is two united? I never remember. Uh, but yeah. yes, it's the one with the cure. Yeah, not that, the really cool band, but the, the crappy third movie. Right, <laughs> that to me I call bubble gummy. Yeah, they all have uniforms. And they all make their like you know storm kind of flies up in her uniform and yeah, comic booky. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of pseudo expected it to be that way just because all previous x-men movies had been kind of that way even to a certain extent the wolverine movies yes Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that was kind of my expectations in a nutshell what were your expectations kind of similar um i did figure wolverine would probably die just because i knew that jackman was very adamant that this would be his last wolverine Okay. Okay. So I knew that. So I figured, you know, he the end would be for his character. Um, as far as other expectations, um, just based on the trailer, I expected a little bit different tone. I wasn't sure if that was going to be like a, a false bill of goods or not. Um, you know, we had the first trailer that was just nice and moody and had the Johnny Cash uh, Nine Inch Nails cover and was just... And just really set this like almost like desolate movie. Um, almost kind of had a feel. You know, I, I heard people compare some scenes to Mad Max, which I think is fair. But if you've ever seen The Road, the first trailer kind of gave me that kind of taste in my mouth. Um, and so I kind of went in thinking, well, cool. That'd be really cool if they actually like live up to that. Now that was tempered by the past right so kind of a mixed bag right i went in expecting a great performance from jackman because i just feel like he completely embodies he is wolverine on film and i heard you know um i just listened to part of i haven't finished it yet but listened to part of um the inner comics podcast review of the same film and one of the things they mentioned that i kind of didn't really think about is Wolverine is kind of the only like major comic book character in a movie that has gone through different incarnations and only had one person play the role. Right? Oh yeah. We've had several Batman um Batman. We've had more than one Spider-Man. Um you know, we've had different Supermans like like all these roles have had good and bad, right? Right. And they've all, there's been changes through everything, right? And Wolverine, I mean, obviously not kind of in the cartoon, right? Which is voiceover work. But all live action Wolverine, like official movies have all been Hugh Jackman. No one else has played him. They would be hard pressed to find anybody else to play him at this point. I mean, he's done it like a dozen or so times. I, you know, I think 
13 maybe is the to- let's see um yeah six right x-men movie right um and he's at least can't, i mean he was barely in first class but he was in it right um and he was enough in it three wolverines makes nine is it just is that all it is why do i feel like it's more than that that's still a lot yeah anyway i mean several several movies um and just he is Wolverine. So I expected a great performance from him because even in the X-Men movies I haven't liked as much, even Wolverine Origins, which has several, several problems, Hugh Jackman is never the problem. No. And he, his Wolverine, even when surrounded by crap, has always been really entertaining and just really embodied the character. Well, even in... What is it? X Men First Class. When they're trying to like build their sort of X Men right. team, and they go into the bar, and Jackman's just smoking the cigar, and he tells him to f off. Right. And they just turn around and leave. That's all he says, and yet it's a hundred percent Wolverine. It is. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so we kind of, I kind of had that expectation, right? Like we're going to get a great performance, no matter what. Um, then thinking about the Wolverine solo films, which rewatching Origins, there's several enjoyable parts. The movie as a whole has a lot of problems and is probably still not a very good movie. Um, it's kind of a bad movie with a few great scenes scattered throughout. Um, and we'll just ignore the complete butchery of Deadpool. Um, that's a whole separate argument. But then James Mangold comes along, right, and does the Wolverine. And not to belabor this point, but that was a movie that I loved, absolutely loved two-thirds of. And didn't feel like it was super comic booky until the final act where it went completely comic booky. And the Silver Samurai stuff just got a little, like completely kind of just pushed all the realism of the first part of the movie aside and just got very, you know, big boss villain, um, you know, whatever. And so I knew from that movie that Mangold had it in him to have like a nice kind of down-to-earth, serious tone with Wolverine in a movie that could really, really kick ass. But could he resist... Some of those other things that, that granted, are it's a comic book movie and they're comic booky, but the change in tone was a little kind of abrupt, right? And so, could he kind of resist that temptation to, to kind of repeat that quote unquote mistake, right? And there are people that disagree with me that they really enjoyed that part, and so it wouldn't be a mistake to them. But to me, it's like, man, this movie would be awesome. I just would have kind of ended differently. You know, I would have loved the Wolverine as much. Um, the other thing I was I thought about and was thinking about going in was the R rating. And I didn't expect it to be like Deadpool, which I really enjoyed, by the way. Um, but, but Deadpool was R in a very comedic sense, in a very kind of almost like a Howard Stern shock value sense in a lot of ways. And I think it, it had a point and it had its reason for doing it that way. But I expected a more serious R rating for this movie that would be based, like you said, on more kind of brutal action and probably some language. And, you know, it's funny you can just talk about comics and films and how they kind of bounce around to each other and how, if movies do really well, sometimes the comics will kind of ape some parts of the movies, especially visually. And then, you know, the comics will kind of feed, or the movies will kind of feed back and take stuff from the comics as well. Um, watching this movie, I've never really had just a huge enjoyment of the Marvel Max series. But the Marvel Max writers could take something from this movie and show you how you can make something very hard R. And still have it just be really awesome without having to be hard R just to be hard R and just to get that mature rating on the comic, right? Because um, I thought there wasn't anything that felt out of place or forced in this movie. 
And I got to say, from the opening scene, you're like, oh, okay, this is what we're in for. I'm pretty sure the first word said in the whole movie is the F word. Yes. And we lost count. Uh, we checked a couple of different websites that had a little bit of discrepancy, but basically, like, in, they all agreed it was in the 40s. Yeah, 40 plus. Yeah, 40 plus F bombs, right? And in all manners and uses, right? <laughs> yes, but I, I will say. Even though, yes, there were 40 F-bombs, lots of SH words. Yeah, lots of shits and damnits and all that yeah. good stuff. But they were never thrown in for just, we haven't said a curse word in the last three lines. Yes, it was always during the intense scenes, yes. which makes sense, right? Yeah. If even, you know, people like us who don't go out of our way to curse when, you know... The, the fire gets turned up, that's when that's more likely to come out, right? Right. And so it makes sense that in, in this these situations that when he's in the middle of, of a fight or going berserk or feels threatened, that's when that stuff's going to pop out, right? Right. And it made sense because when the scenes were quieter and, you know, kind of kind of the lulls of the movie, so to speak, though they weren't boring, so don't... If you yeah. interpret lull as boring, then reinterpret the word, because that's not what I mean. Um, more comforting, more right, um, kinda, he felt safe. Yeah, the more kind of reflective moments of the film. Um, you know, all that was kind of toned down. But going back to that first scene, so we had language right out the bat, right? To, to get the R rating. And the, just the action in that scene where he fights the kind of the guys that are trying to strip his car, uh, his his future SUV limo that he's driving around. Um, it's just right off the bat. They they go for that R rating right away. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's claws through people's heads. There's limbs getting cut off. And, and it's not like, you know, I was trying to think, because even like in The Wolverine and even in the brief scene in Apocalypse where they show him escaping from Weapon X, there's a lot of inferred violence, right? Right. And a lot of results of violence, but never on film before have we seen him just stabbing through people's heads to this level of detail, right? Right. And so they jump out of the gate and say, you know what? Boom. This is the Wolverine story we want to tell. We want it to be edgy. We want it to feel like Wolverine kind of full throttle and very first scene, you're going to get all of it. And... We're not really going to take our foot. I mean, the whole movie is not nonstop action, but all the action scenes are pretty much like that. Like once I, he gets started, yeah. Like I couldn't even count how many times he you saw claws go like in through throats, through, through throats, like like through yeah, like like you said, they would go in one side of a person's head and come out the other side, or from the bottom of the mouth, right. Yeah, all the stuff that they allude to in, in the comics, you know. You know, very early, like in John Byrne's Uncanny Run, there's there's parts where he you know, he sticks his fist under someone's chin and he's like, All right, I'm gonna count to three and you know, he pops the claws on the side of the face like one, two, and the person's like, No, no, no. Well, none of that. This time it's just whack. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, so so our rating full effect but it works, and it works very, very well. And the character moments, because there are obviously there's kind of speculation: how close would this be to Old Man Logan, like the comics, um, not really the series, but the the original storyline, and really not very similar, um, at least not in plot. Maybe similar in some respects in tone. And how Logan is, um, you know, the first scene after the fight where he's trying to pop his claws and, and they, like, come out slow and uneven. And, like, you know, and this was really, really cool. Um, so let's go back to kind of your, your idea. Let's talk about, I guess, perf performances individually in the movie. Um, so let's save Logan to the end. Okay. So why don't we start out with Professor X? Okay. So we find Professor X in the movie. He um, has a mental disorder. 
um, old age. Yeah, I would say it's more of a disease because it's not like a disorder he struggled with. Oh, that's true. Something has happened and his mind is decaying. And they, they kind of throw out a couple of options, like just kind of... Alzheimer's. I don't want to say generic because... Yeah. I don't want to downplay like the people that really have these things and have to struggle with them and deal with them and all that. But they kind of just say it could be this or this or this. Right. I don't really know, but whatever is affecting his ability to control his mental powers because his brain is the strongest mind on the planet and it kind of poses a question, what happens to that when the person controlling that mind no longer has control? Right. So... You find that Logan is keeping Professor Xavier south of the border um, on a good chunk of land. There's like a barn looking building. And then there's sort of like a water tower that's been turned over. Yeah, like it collapsed or fell right. over or whatever. And so Professor Xavier actually lives in the water tower. And I'm guessing the water tower kept him from people reading his minds, but he also took medication so that people couldn't find him. Um, and you, it's alluded to that they sort of faked his death. Yeah. Um, so that he's been quote dead for about a year. Um, and they also allude to the fact that all the rest of the X-Men are gone and the professor had something to do with it. Um, so Logan basically shuttles a limo to get him medication to keep him sedated. So your first scene, he's literally like rehashing infomercials, which Patrick Stewart does quite well. <laughs> um, but it does. It alludes to that. Like if you've ever met someone who has started to lose the faculties of their mind and you don't know what they're t in their mind, what they're saying makes sense. But to you, it's just complete jibber-jabber. Um, he does it very well. And there are a lot of moments that are uncomfortable for the viewer because he's losing his mind. And when he loses, starts to lose his mind, he has a sort of seizure. Mm -hmm. And the seizures react. Um, the world around him starts to shake, almost like an earthquake, and he's the epicenter. Right, and people freeze, or their mind is paralyzed. Um, yeah. It's a mental, physical attack, like his full powers, his telepathy, and even, I guess, to a level of telekinesis is is kind of being released as almost like a force of nature from his mind that he can't control. Right. And the only way to control it is through medication. And Logan basically drives this limo, pays cash under the table to try and get drugs for him. Um, but Patrick Stewart, oh my goodness does a phenomenal job. Oh, yeah. yeah. He does a phenomenal job of being like the gentle grandpa type when the girl comes on and he's just like, look, you know, she needs a home. She needs to... I, it, for me, I saw my own grandfather who was like, you want some ice cream? <laughs> I've got ice cream in the back. What right. flavor do you want? You know, just that gentle soul. And then when he's talking to Logan and they're pretending or, you know, when they meet people, uh, Logan pretends that Xavier is his dad. Um, that Xavier gives Logan shit. Like your, you know, your dad would give you a hard time. You know, if you were like, Hey, I need you to do this. Do you, do you need me to do that? <laughs> so I really enjoyed that part of it. And, yeah. I also love the realism, you know, talking about that. I know that um, if you've ever had to deal or seen your parents have to deal with being forced to make some decisions for um, people you're, you're a caretaker of that maybe they don't really like. Right. And kind of that, that just strife and struggle and fighting of the person not appreciating the kind of their independence being taken away and decisions being made for them, but you also know that you're trying to do what is best for them, right? Um, there are a lot of conversations between Xavier and, and Logan, especially before they leave the tower, that were very reminiscent of that kind of situation, where, where Patrick Stewart, when he was more... Um, um, lucid. 
Listen, yeah, would be like, I don't, I don't appreciate this. You're, you're doing this to me. You're, you're making me, kind of just be in a, a stupor, you know. And I, you know, and Logan's like, well, I have to. Like, you remember what happened? And there's a part late in the movie where Patrick, where Professor X does remember what happened, and he's just devastated by it, right? By the memory of, oh, I can't believe I did this, and. It refers to an event in Westchester, so you get the feeling that Professor X probably killed the X-Men. Right. And if he didn't, he killed a bunch of other people around Westchester. Yeah. And so you understand that, that, yeah, Logan is grouchy and grumpy and a little bit just verbally abusive at times to Professor X, but at the heart of the matter, he's trying to protect him. Well, and and it's funny because, like you said, they have a lot of conversations. And yes, sometimes Logan is very blunt to Professor X. But at the same time, you see the conditions that Logan is in. He drives a limo. He sleeps in the limo. Like, he tries to save as much money as he possibly can um, because he's doing this all for the betterment of Professor X. You find out in the movie he's trying to save up money to put him on a boat. Right. And they're going to live on this boat and, you know, get away from society. And he's really just, he's trying to do what's best, not only for Professor X, but I guess for those around him. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so, as always, Patrick Stewart does an amazing job. I mean, he's an amazing actor, so no real surprises there. Um the scene where he encounters, he wakes up and encounters Logan's clone, which is kind of the ultimate weapon, um, you know, is very touching and heartfelt. And it's kind of a shame when the clone ends up killing him because he kind of like really spills his, his heart to this character and then the character stabs him through the chest. So the real Logan actually never hears. Right. And what I also thought was a heartfelt moment was, you know, Logan doesn't hear all those things that Professor X says. And when Logan realizes what happens and runs upstairs and realizes he's been cloned, you know, so the person who stabbed Professor Xavier, Xavier probably thought it was Logan. Yeah. And he literally goes, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Like he, he feels so incredibly bad that Professor X might and does die and his last thoughts are going to be that Logan who's been trying to help him right was the one who killed him right then th- very heartbreaking the very first words out of his mouth are it wasn't me it wasn't me we have to get you out of here right and unfortunately spoiler <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't work out very positively no which you know Patrick Stewart also on record saying this would be his last movie right um or not, last as Professor X, no, probably not last movie ever <laughs> in the X Men universe. Um, but I will say what one of the things I loved was that um, the chemistry between Stewart and Jackman. You know, in oh, the yeah. in the movies, in the previous movies, you know, Professor X and Logan always had that. You know, Logan, I'm here to help you. And Logan's been like, eh, F off. <laughs> and, but you can tell they've spent so much time together. In fact, what the movie said it was, what, 2049? Uh, something like that, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's in the future, but not like so far off. Right. But you can tell that they've been together. Like they, there is a new bond that has formed. And it is a real bond. It's not forced. It's not... Um, fake it is a genuine bond and that chemistry just it pours out through every scene there's a scene where uh, Wolverine asks Professor X to take his medicine they're driving in a car so Professor X takes it and Wolverine looks back like show me he doesn't <laughs> say it he just looks at him and Professor X sticks out his tongue and goes eh. yeah. <laughs> and it was just awesome because it was real and you had to laugh because you could you you knew that's probably what happened. If they were going to do a comic book, that would be what would happen. 
and it, you know, but then he, he still had that Professor X, like, genuine soul side of him. They get to a hotel, and they've been in the same clothes for I don't know how many days. And the girl that's with them is looking at clothes, and Logan's like, we got to get out of here. We got to do this. We got to do that. And Professor X goes, we'll need new clothes. Like, it's just, it's that calm, collected, thinking slightly ahead Xavier. Right. So, I, yeah, I can't say enough. It, he, Patrick Stewart does an amazing job. He does. He does. All right. So, um, I guess next up, let's talk about Caliban, who's played by Stephen Merchant, who I actually didn't know by name. Looking at his credits, a lot of familiar stuff. Uh, Wart wrote for The Office. Um, did some voice acting on American Dad and The Simpsons and Robot Chicken. It was on Big Bang Theory. So stuff you would recognize. I just didn't really recognize his name per se. But I thought he did a really good job as Caliban. Kind of the kind of a little bit meek and but also like just kind of giving Logan a hard time. <laughs> yeah. And um, of course, he still has his mutant locating um, powers. Uh, they did an interesting take. So Caliban always had white skin in the comic. Well, in the movie, they decided, let's take that. Let's make him an albino. Let's also make him like super, like overly sensitive to the sun. Like right? vampiric sensitive. Yeah, yeah, which I thought was a nice touch and it made for some cool kind of visuals like with him, like with his wardrobe and stuff like that. Um, no, he was very unassuming, but also very much the person that kind of kept Logan and Professor X in check. Um, yeah. He, and I just thought he did a really good job. He took care of Professor X when Logan would go on runs. Right. So he... On Logan's run. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a very touching moment where he tells Logan, like, and, and this is the audience's sort of inside to what's going on. He says, Logan, there's something wrong with you. I can smell it. Like, I can... I smell the alcohol that you're consuming to try and fight the pain. Um, you can't read the bottles that you're getting from this, you know, whoever you're getting it from because it's at ibuprofen. <laughs> right. Uh, what else does he say? Um, something about how he can just smell like the white blood cell count. Right. Something's killing, like as his healing factor declines, Logan's ability to kind of counteract the adamantium kind of wreaking havoc on his body also declines. And so that the adamantium is literally killing him from the inside. Right. And so he can tell, he can smell it. And then he, you know, Logan obviously gets very perturbed when he's pressured with these questions. Right. But I, he kind of plays the um, third party parental figure. Yeah. Between them all. Yeah. No, I thought he did a great job. And, of course, very nobly sacrifices himself to try to save our our main protagonist. So, did a great job. Great job. Um, yeah. So, I guess next, let's look at um, Brian Holbrook, who played Donald Pierce. And he's been to some good stuff, too. Gone Girl, Milk. Um, some other stuff I'm not super familiar with but I've heard good things about but um, I thought he was just a fantastic bastard in this movie yeah he does he um, there's a great scene where um, after our albino dies He's, they're picking up everybody's bodies and they're sort of, I guess, like in a high school gym. Um, and he's walking around barking orders about, you know, we need to do this, we need to do that. And he walks by as he's still barking orders and goes, and collect this one's DNA. He's super smart, highly genetic, and moves on. Like, doesn't think twice. Doesn't think that he was an actual person, you know, that he was a mutant. It's just he has great DNA and he's really smart. So let's take it. Right. Yep. So so th I guess the, the premise of this, this program 
was they were taking DNA samples from mutants and trying to kind of breed them into children to give them powers to create like their own kind of mutant army. So mutants have pretty much disappeared from the planet, right? In the in this timeline, in this universe. And this company is trying to make new mutants for their own purposes. And it turns out that it went really wrong. So they decided to kill all the kids and some of the kids escaped uh, with the help of uh, Laura's kind of caretaker who kind of played the, the part of her quote-unquote aunt um, in the comics, um, her, her mother figure. And, um, you know, kind of helped the kids escape and with a plan to rendezvous later. And that's why they're trying to get Logan's help is to get to this rendezvous, this, this Eden, as they call it. Um, we'll just talk about that in a minute. Um, but so Pierce is, he leads the Reavers just like he does in the comics and his objective is to track down all these kids, like recollect them um, lethally if necessary and kind of regain the company's property, like repossess it, right? Right. And that's what these kids are looked at is, is stolen, loose property that, that needs to be returned to the, the company. And so that's what Pierce is doing. He's cybernetically enhanced, just like in the comics, and he's just, he's just a mean cuss. <laughs> And does a great job doing it. And the whole movie, he's kind of a step behind Logan and Professor X and and Laura. But um, oh, I'm sorry, I I misspoke. He's not the one that says to collect the DNA. No, it's the doctor. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. But um, I also thought it was interesting because the bonus scene from Apocalypse. I expect I knew that he was Donald Pierce in the movie. Right, because of credits and whatever, what have you. But I expected because Wolverine's DNA is collected at the end of X Men Apocalypse, right? And it's collected by the Essex Company, which, of course, Nathaniel Essex is Mr. Sinister in the comics. So I really thought that at the end of this movie, that you would find that the Reavers were working for Mr. Sinister and that he would kind of be like the big bad guy at the end of the movie. And they don't. And I was kind of like excited because I'd like to see Mr. Sinister in a movie, right? That's cool. Right. But also kind of worried because I, was, I thought, oh, that's going to be that's gonna be our Silver Samurai ending, right? Is that we'll have this really serious, cool movie with Logan kind of outrunning the Reavers. But then in the end, Mr. Sinister is going to show up and we're going to have this big boss fight again, just like we had in the Wolverine. And it might be cool, but it might kind of change the tone too much. But we don't get that at all. So... That kind of Essex Easter egg so far is just that. It's just an Easter egg. Because um, Pierce works for this company, and, and maybe at some point Mr. Sinister fa- founded or funded that company, but he's not in the movie at all. Um, so I was actually kind of relieved to see that, and it made it very kind of pertinent. And when at the end then, when they're tracking down the kids, and all the mutant kids come and use their powers on um, Pierce and kill him, like almost in a children of the corn kind of scene. It was it was a nice death for the bad guy. Yeah. But I thought he did a great job. He was just nasty and mean and a bastard and, and played it up really well, I thought. What did you think? No, I agree. I think um, from the minute he's... One of the scenes we get... He one of the first scenes we get. He sits in uh, Logan's limo, and he's like, "You see this girl? You know this girl? Been contacted by this girl's mom? You let me know." And like throws him his card, and you just know from the get go this guy is completely swarmy. Yeah, and that's kind of what I enjoyed. Was it wasn't like, do we trust him? Do we not trust him? Nope. <laughs> you know from the beginning he's not trustworthy and even Logan knows it because he takes his card and like flicks it it's like crap right yeah and the whole movie is him kind of running away from that um alright so let's get to our I guess kind of our, our primary supporting character and that is the debut of Laura X-23 played by Daphne Keene I thought she was phenomenal Oh, she was amazing. And not only that, I'm watching her just, 
eviscerate people and just being so like at parts it was kind of hard to watch because here's this little girl inflicting all this carnage and they did not shy away from that at all which well, I think also contributed to the R rating because you know people don't really necessarily like to see that all the time well and, and so. she had no remorse for it it was her go-to instinct right well yeah you know, it's nurture versus nature right right um but she did great. It's obvious that she had like kind of what she was made to be, right? Which was just a living weapon. And those when those instincts kicked in, boy, did they kick in. And, um, you know, had lots the claws and the foot claw. And the first time Wolverine, or I'm sorry, Logan sees the claw. I thought it was also interesting. He didn't want anyone to call him Wolverine. Um, but every time Logan, the first time Logan sees the claws, he's like, whoa. And so we find out that she was clone for better or worse from Logan and um, she has all kind of his worst attributes as well right um, he's kind of that berserker rage that she goes into several times in the movie but on the other side of that you can almost feel like this heartbreaking longing to connect to some kind of family yeah and even though she may have never had that even like just that idea that she knew she was supposed to in a way. And um, just her, her almost desperate kind of connection to Professor X and attempting to connect to Logan, even though Logan kind of keeps her at arm's length at every point in the movie until like the very end. Yeah. Um, and their dynamic was just flipping amazing. Um kind of had like the idea of this of this family dynamic of the the parent who didn't or wasn't ready to be a parent right <laughs> and like I didn't ask for this you know and so he's kind of you know kind of the tough love thing which you would expect from Logan anyway because you know he's grumpy and old at this point right and plus he's just Logan um but then you know and when he starts to kind of get kind of sweet on her he kind of intentionally like no no uh, uh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know and just her kind of reacting to that and how the ebb and flow of her like wanting to be close to him and then kind of being indignant when he's a jerk um uh, felt very natural and helped set a really good tone for the movie just kind of grounding it in this very real kind of reluctant father-daughter relationship yeah, and they had a lot of moments where, you know, even the people who struggle with being a parent, you know, they have their moments where you're like, see, like you get it, it's inherent. <laughs> and Logan had those moments. There's a scene where they're at a grocery store or a convenience store and she just, you know, she opens a bag or a box of Pringle or container. Yeah, she opens Pringle. some snacks and takes some sunglasses and gets... At first, I thought she grabbed a beer like like she had seen Logan drinking. I think it was like an energy drink or something. But yeah. Regardless, she's not paying for this. She's just gonna leave with it. The clerk's like, um, no, you gotta pay for that, right? Where are your parents? Right, and she just pounces on this guy. Right. And before she like, she puts her hand up. Her claws come out before she's about to just mangle this poor guy. Logan rushes in, grabs her hand, and goes, not okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it, it's funny because it, it's like he's talking to his own, not to be mean, but it's like he's talking to a dog. Like when the dog goes and is about to lift his leg and, you know, pee on something, you're like, no, 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 not okay, not <laughs> right. okay. And so it, it's just funny because it's his fo first real parental moment. Right. You know, and he's like, not okay. And drags her out. Doesn't even pay for this stuff. Just drags her out, throws her in the car, and they get moving. Right. But, you know, it's that slow um, getting into that parental mode where he's just, you know, his love for her in a way. You know, his realization that, yes, she is made up of him she is his daughter right and it takes mm, a good bit of the movie for him to get to that realization right but he gets there and i think that's the beauty of it it's not 
the one thing I didn't want for this movie is for him to be so no, no, no. And then have that, all right, she's mine. I'll man up. I'll do it. There wasn't that. There was this slow progression of he's like, all right, fine. You want this? Okay. Uh, okay. You want to you wanna go here? Fine. I'll show you here. You know, it was just slow and it was natural. And that, I think that was a beautiful part of the movie. I agree. Yep. The relationship was obviously the, the cornerstone of, of the movie. Both the plot and the character development all hinged on, on that. So that was really great. Um, so they're heading towards this place called Eden. And the way they kind of bring this about is there are fake comic books in the movie about the X-Men's past adventures. And Laura's handler, for lack of a better word, had and read these stories to her, and they talked about this place called Eden that the X-Men went to kind of at the end of the line. It was a safe haven for mutants, and so all these kids were trying to get there. And Logan's like, oh, this is crap. These stories aren't even real. Like, you know? And it's funny because I, I, I told Denise afterwards, like, I loved that they used comic books in the movie, but it was also a little bit distracting because I spent the whole time trying to figure out, like, ooh, who, who drew that? Like, whose art is that? <laughs> yeah, but I also brought up a point was that, you know, Logan looked at it as these these are real people, but not real stories. Right. And my question was, they may not have been real stories, but how do we know that there wasn't, you know, these women were saying, we got to get these kids out of here. And so that was disguised in a comic book as here's where you need to go. Well, maybe, maybe. But it seemed that Logan kind of knew that the comic books existed. Mm. Just I don't know. Maybe not. But regardless, it definitely upset him that he felt like he was kind of chasing an imaginary place. Um, I do think they should put those comics out. <laughs> yeah, that would be now awesome. Let us kind of read, and just like, you know, two or three issues, right? Just to kind of see what what they read in the movie. I'd definitely be interested because there were definitely like some interesting kind of visuals and redesigns of costumes and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, so Logan eventually gets Laura to the place right at the Canadian border and meets the other kids, which included stuff like Richter and a few other kind of Easter egg kids in there. Um, and he's like, I'm not going to go like, I'm poisoned everybody I know. You're better off. You just take your friends. Y'all go on. Get where you need to go. Live a new life. But, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna go. I've already lost Professor X. I don't really care about being alive anymore. Like, just let's not do this anymore. And, um, and of course, he wakes up the next day. The kids are gone, but he sees all the drones that are following him and knows they're in trouble. So he... Uh, decides to make kind of one last attempt to, to save Laura and to, to guard her. And um, there's this, like, formula. It's kind of like an MGH kind of thing, and it enhances mutant powers but doesn't last very long. And so the idea was that these mutants were using it slowly to kind of keep their powers when they needed them. But Logan takes, like, a whole vial and goes full berserker rage and... That last scene where he's running through the forest just, just hacking people to death is great. And um, if you saw on Twitter or Instagram, um, they, they showed uh, Hugh Jackman put up a scene where he was doing the voiceover for that scene. It's really funny because um, it's just him in a sound booth and you see him watching the scene and he's just going, like just grunting and like he's so into it. And it's like, it's great because, like, yeah, Hugh Jackman, he's, he's, like, he's in the character, but it's also funny just watching him in a microphone, like, being full Wolverine. Um, <laughs> and not even dialogue, just running and grunting and slashing, and he's, like, you know, waving his arms in the air like he's mimicking, the, like he knows the scene, and he's mimicking the action and, like, pretending to cut people, and it's, it's really great. I would encourage you to try to find it. Um, oh, and, now I want to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely, I retweeted it at some point a while back. You have to go through my feed and all the other comic book stuff I have on there. But um, yeah, it's really, really fun. Um, but yeah, but that's, I mean, this is, this berserker, so we'll just go ahead and move on to Jackman. 
this is the Wolverine, kind of the culmination of the Wolverine that we haven't been able to see on film yet. And we get to, and I loved it. Like it takes everything that he's been awesome at this whole time at Wolverine and just adds this extra level of the part of Wolverine they haven't been able to show yet, and they decided to go ahead and show it with the R rating, and it just delivers on every level. Well, and I love the very first scene, as brutal as it is, because he, you know, he's drunk or he's been drinking. And he comes out and he's like, let's just not start this, which is very Wolverine. Right. He's like, guys, we don't have to do this. <laughs> yeah. Just, just walk away. You're, those are, you know, locking bolts. You'll just strip him anyway. Like, just move on. And they shoot him and they just keep, you know, shooting him. And that makes him go berserk. And to me, this was the first X-Men movie, I think, played around with his berserker rage. But not to this level. No, not like this. And this, to me, is what a true real-life berserker rage would look like, where you mm -hmm. have no idea what he's going to do or what he's thinking. Yep, I agree. Uh, every time, I mean, there were several times where he kind of got on the edge of that berserker rage, and then the last scene where he just kind of gives into it all the way was just... It's just... It's, it's so, phenomenal. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to watch. Um, very, very violent. So let's make no bonus about that. Um, yeah. If you were thinking of taking your child, no. Probably not. Probably not. I mean, different parents have different rules for their kids, and that's that's fine. But um, uh, we definitely will not. <laughs> yeah. Me doing that. Um, but, um, yeah, I, and... I think this whole movie avoids the trappings because obviously there's a reference. Like, you know who Wolverine is. You know who Professor X is. You know the larger X-Men universe. But other than, like, kind of the basic powers of, of a few characters, like, this isn't this isn't really an X-Men movie. No. Like at all? So, I mean, just in, no in the way it feels. No yeah, no costumes, no teams, um, not a whole lot of, of use of the powers. Even when the kids kind of get to use their powers at the end, is very kind of minimalist in it's the way brief. That they show it. Um, yeah, and just there's no. It's not a superhero movie. No, right? Um, and just I don't know. It's it's. It just felt like kind of a, a normal movie that just happened to have, you know, a comic book character in it. It didn't feel like a comic book movie in a lot of the ways. And I think I think it's a lot because they were able to kind of keep one of the endings stayed in check in tone with the whole movie. Yeah. Um and so there's this this part, you know, you kinda of get the sense in some of these fights at the beginning of the movie that Wolverine kind of has a death wish. Yeah. Right? Like, he's he knows he's taking care of Professor X and that's kind of what he's living for, but he doesn't really care about himself anymore. And um, so he cares about other people, but not him. <laughs> and there's a part where he talks about how he has an adamantium bullet. Yes. And Professor X alludes to the fact that he was maybe going to try to take his life at some point. And when Laura finds the bullet, um, he says, you know, there's a time where I thought about using this on myself. And, of course, she pockets the bullet. And at that point, or no, before then, the first time we met the clone, Denise saw right through it. She leaned over and said, they're going to use the bullet on him. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, and I knew that she was right when Laura took the bullet. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. That's how they're going to kill the bad guy. Which, by the way, Jackman playing both roles equally awesome because he does kind of this mindless clone that's almost like a dog character um, and does it really well as well um, but yeah um, what else what else we're, talk we're, we're going a little long here what else we want to talk about um, yeah I guess those were the only drawbacks that I saw that I didn't like about the movie um, was when Laura pockets the bullet and they, or they talk about the bullet I was like oh that's how they're going to kill the clone yeah. And I maybe 
Jason didn't see it. So well, I did at that point, but not before. You saw it because you noticed it before that. Yeah. You might remember that bullet is coming back. I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. And then when Laura had it, I was like, yep, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I just, I feel like they brought too much attention to it. And maybe that know. was the, I don't know. I think you just happened to hit on it. I don't. But I have a weird sense like that with movies. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. And so, so that kind of bothered me because for me, that spoiled it. I knew how it was going to, in theory. Right. And um, I did think there were two very, oh my goodness, like heart-wrenching, touching moments. One is where after Professor X dies, right. um, Logan buries him next to a lake. And Logan, who's not known for his emotional side, says, at least he's by water. Because they kind of talked about getting a boat and, you know, living out on the ocean. Right. And, you know, he's like, at least he's by water. And you could tell he was trying to say more. Right. But just didn't have it. Yeah. And that's one of those things, too, that talking about the relationship, because Laura tries to grab his hand and even does. So yeah. she's reaching out for that connection. Like she just lost the closest thing she had to like a father slash grandfather. Yeah. Now she's looking to Logan to kind of fill that hole. And you, you can see him struggling with it. Like, cause he's like, okay, right. I should do this. But then he like jerks his hand away. And cause he just isn't quite ready to embrace the relationship full on. And I think part of the tragedy of this movie is he doesn't embrace the relationship until the very end. Right. And then he dies, and then Laura does the, the Shane, the speech from Shane at his funeral, or when they bury him. And then you can tell, like, he's really inspired her. Right. And there's a part where Professor X talks about she's you, but she doesn't have to be you. Yeah. Right? Like, she is like you, but she doesn't have to. And, and Logan even kind of talks about that to her when he, you know, purports that he's not going to go with her is that you don't have to make the same bad choices I've made. I think he even says, don't be me. Yeah, like you can be your own person. You were made like me, be something different, which was so reminiscent of the comics, right? Right. Where obviously you have a more expanded kind of mentorship role before Logan dies in the comics where there's, you know, whatever it is in comic book time and, and issue time, it's, you know, a couple of years of him kind of helping her grow and grow past like what she was created to be and what she can be. Um, that's very condensed in this movie and Laura's a lot younger, but I think it's kind of the same effect that he, through his sacrifice, he was finally kind of embracing her, shows her that she can be more and gives her an inspiration. And, and there's a part where they're walking off from where they buried him and she takes the cross and lays it down as an X instead, which I thought was like, oh. <laughs> well, it just, I think it went to show like you are still an X-Men. Right. Like you still are, are helping people. Yeah. Um. So my wrap up for this whole movie is this is the way the comic book should have ended. <laughs> I, and what's funny is, is if you go back to podcasts and listen to him when the way Logan was killed, it was like, oh, this was a great way to, you know, we don't want Logan to die, but this is a great way for Logan to die. Okay, I'm changing what I said. <laughs> this was the ultimate. There's no micro universe. There's none of that crap. It is the animantium's poisoning him. His healing factor is not as fast anymore. And so... He's just slowly dying. And because of this, and he takes that serum, and so it, his healing factor can't heal from all that he took during his berserker rage while he was hopped up on this stuff. Right. That they even state, you get one more hit, you're done for. Like, you can't take it anymore. And he gets impaled on a tree. Yeah. And he knows he's going to die. Laura knows he's going to die and he dies and it's such a beautiful, I mean, I was in tears. Like it's a beautiful moment and that's the way the comic book should have ended. Yeah. But to be fair, they get to take advantage of the fact that it's in the future. Right. Yes. And that Logan is aged and they can naturally decline his healing factor. Whereas in the comics, they had to find a way to artificially take away his healing factor. Because he wasn't aged. He was still just regular. 
Yeah, I just hate the microverse. I know. I know you do. But we're not here to talk about that. We're talking about shiny, happy things. Yes. Um, but, all right. So you made a comment to me when we were having coffee after the movie. You said you thought it was maybe your favorite X-Men movie. You oh, still, still is. Okay. It is seriously. I wish it wasn't so violent so that Ethan could see it because I think it would be his favorite. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, so I wasn't quite ready to make that commitment at that time. And? Um, you know, I gotta say, I think it probably is. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I still, there's still, you know, I still really love X2, and I, I know it's a little polarizing, still love Days of Future Past a lot as well, um, but I think I would, this would edge out both of them, I think, I think it's my favorite X-Men movie, um, and which is weird, because it's not really an X-Men movie. No. It doesn't feel like an X-Men, maybe that's why, because it doesn't feel like an X-Men movie, it doesn't play like an X-Men movie, it's not shot like an X-Men movie. Um, by the way, James Mangolden, whoever his DP was, sh- this movie looks amazing. Yeah, it's um, awesome. And the, the sound work and everything, like the the way the soundtrack was there, and then oftentimes kind of felt like it wasn't there. Um, it was just very minimal. Um, really, really good. Um, yeah, no, this very well made movie. You know. Jackman and Mangold and Stewart kind of went into this together wanting to make like the end-all, be-all Wolverine movie. I think they did. And to send the character off from the movies in the right way. And, you know, Mangold has expressed interest in, in continuing with Laura's story. I hope they give him the chance. But what whatever happens there... Like you said, for the movies, this is the best way to end these characters. And you can tell that it was a labor of love on the part of everybody involved. That that Mangold and and Jackman and Stewart just really invested themselves in this whole movie. The whole process of getting it made. Um, And it just, it shows. It shows as a movie that, that the people involved are very passionate about. And it comes off as just a very driven, impassioned movie. And, yeah, I love it. Um, what else? Anything else you want to say? No. Nope. All right, go see it, guys, if you haven't already. And You want to grade it? Not like we need a grade. I don't I don't know. Um, we can. I don't know if we normally do. But, yeah, what do you want to grade it? Do, don't we grade our movies? We usually do when we do the commentary tracks. I don't oh, know okay. if we graded stuff. That we've just kind of talked about. Oh, okay. But, but yeah, great. What do you want to What do you want to give Logan? Six out of six. Yeah. Snicked. I'll go with you. It's not perfect. I'm sure if I watch it again, I can find some things that you know can say, "Oh, it's not a perfect movie," but it's a really damn good movie. It and is. if you can handle the language and the violence, I would very heartily recommend watching this. And it's a very, like I said, it's a very different R rating than Deadpool. It just feels like just a hard R kind of action character movie. Um, there's no nudity. There's no. Well, there is. There is. There's where the the bridal party oh, flashes. I forgot and the, about that. It's very brief and yeah, kind of worthless. But um, yeah, I I do like that scene though because he just kind of smirks. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, definitely, definitely go see it. If you're a Wolverine fan at all, it needs to be in your eyeballs um, and in your hearts. But yeah, um, so real fast, we also just finished Legion, the whole first season. Yes. I love that as well. I think we're in the golden age of X uh, live action stuff. Uh, Legion is very arty. It is very arty. Um, has a very peculiar flow to it, and there's no Wolverine, so we won't really spend time on it. I just wanted to mention it that uh, that I give it a high recommendation as well. Um, I especially do too. watching the whole season. How many episodes were they? Uh, eight or nine? I think it was eight. Okay. The my only comment towards it is, for me, 
Those eight episodes probably could have been condensed down to four or five. And that wasn't the pace they were going for. And that's kind no. of the artistic, kind of some of the drawn out shots, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, it was a way to kind of have an X-Men type story and a more indie film. Like it felt like an indie kind of show. It did. Um, and I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I think it's not a great comparison, right? So don't go, oh, no, he said I it was like. I love Logan, so I love this. Oh, no, 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 no. And I was going to say, he said it was like this and it wasn't like this. But there, there are things in tone similar to kind of some of the quirkiness of like a Wes Anderson film. But some of the dark sinisterness of like a. Um, a Kubrick or a Fincher. Um, so take that for what it's worth. But I I thought it was a great first season and when highly, very, 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 very well cast and very well shot and just interesting. And I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to say these days anymore. A lot of the powers and effects didn't look CGI. A lot of them looked very practical like with makeup and camera tricks and stuff like that, you know, kind of kind of has an old school feel to it. So, so watch that as well if you like X Men stuff. Um, even if you don't think you like the character of Legion, it's a great show. Yep. All right, cool. Well, let's wrap up. Um, as usual, you can find us on Facebook, like the Facebook page. Twitter is at Snickcast. Uh, website with show notes is snickcast.podbean.com. And Denise's Twitter is uh, at D-A-S underscore Venable. And that's going to do it. So until next time, everyone, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. Go see Logan. Watch Legan. Legan. Logan and Legan. Logan and Legan. All right. And snacked. Snacked.